Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've got Gabe Larson here. I'm the vice president of customer at Meta, and you are listening to Sassholes, the only show where you can learn, eat, and have fun all at the same time. Welcome to Sassholes. With a combined 100 years of making interesting decisions, Jamie, Justin, KG, and myself, Pete, are dedicated to helping sales leaders or aspiring sales leaders to accelerate revenues with our no-bullshit approach to sales leadership strategies and tactics. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Each click, each like can grow our audience from 30 people to 3,000. Help us spread the word. Today, our guest is Gabe Larson. Gabe leads customers' worldwide marketing efforts, including advertising, brand communications, demand, and digital. Prior to joining customer, Gabe was the VP of marketing for InsideSales.com. That's old school. Where he helped create the sales acceleration category and grow the company from six to nearly $100 million in revenue. So that's $6. Gabe oversaw the brand transformation, establishing InsideSales.com as an industry thought leader and pioneering a new enterprise go-to-market motion. But before we get to Gabe, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters, Aaron J. and Trent S. Thank you for supporting our content. It's a, it's a real ego boost. And again, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm telling you, each subscribe is magic fairy dust that turns 30 viewers into 3,000. Pay it forward. Don't feel guilty. KG. Yes, Pete. Carney. Oh, God. It was tax day, right? Yeah. You know I don't do my taxes, right? Oh? I'm just not into it. Got any <laughs> shout-outs, KG? <laughs> See into it if you put it in the turbo. Anyway, yeah, I got a couple of got a couple of good guys. Um, uh, happy birthday, to Greg Lavin. He's founded three companies now in a row. I used to work for him at uh, at USAMP. Greg Lavin's a good guy here in California. Happy birthday to Shelly Mudd, formerly of Tauru and Business dot com. Um, and that is uh, that's all she wrote. Hey, look, Carney's got some people in here. Wasn't Shelly Mudd something else? She she started out at like. Jobs to careers. Jobs to careers. That's it. Yes. She's been in the industry forever. Yes, she has. They called her the queen of job boards at one point. It's pronounced, it's pronounced mood. No, it's not. Kigo. (laughs) I got a shout out. Kimberly Hal, senior product manager at iterable. And then I want to give a shout out to John Dugan. I talked to him last week. Um, might get him on the show, but he's doing some really transformational stuff over at Workday on uh, enablement um, and behavioral change. So I thought I'd give him a shout out. If he's listening to the show, he's got to give me a, a a ping back, and then maybe we'll get him on the show. Sounds like you're fishing. Hey, Rick Borgs, starting new position as senior director of enterprise sales at ISACA. Tom McTickue. Tom McTickue for starting a new position as executive recruiter at McKinsey & Company. I don't think they'll be calling. Maria Muting shared about being promoted to manager of customer success growth at Showpad. Hey, Brendan Styler got a new gig as an account executive at Ramp. Oscar Ibarra, two years at Intercom. Rob Sheehan, one year at Coach Hub, the digital coaching platform. Okay, KG, how do we know Gabe? We gave him a hard time already. Is he still here? <laughs> He's still here already. 
I, I well, first of all, I consider Gabe to be a friend now. And uh, but uh, long, long ago, early in the ZipRecruiter days, you know, we we tested everything at ZipRecruiter. We tested software, hypotheses, all this kind of stuff there. And we were testing a new uh, dialing platform, uh, and we decided to go uh, test InsideSales.com versus Philosophy versus the control group of just simply hand dials. And uh, Gabe brought his. His man, you're bringing in. back great memories here, KJ. Man, this is like ten years. This is like ten years ago. It's wow. a long. You remember all this? Long time ago. And uh, fast forward, Gabe brought his team in to help usher uh, usher his uh, inside sales tool into into ZipRecruiter, and we were just impressed. We were impressed with Gabe, his his energy, his enthusiasm, but his command of the the room and the and the God's honest truth, guys. We tried to hire Gabe like three times, four times. We got close one time, didn't we, Gabe? Oh, multiple times. I I had an offer in hand that last time, man. I don't know yes. why I didn't do that, but maybe because yeah. you were taking off. I can't remember, but someday. <laughs> no, but I, I I think Gabe is absolutely fantastic, and his energy is infectious. And I think his command of sales acceleration and leadership is, uh, is, is why I wanted to have him on the show. So Gabe, thanks for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Love it, man. It's so great to see you and then be introduced to the rest of the, uh, the SAS. Yeah, you <laughs> the got it. Crew. The SAS whole crew. Well, don't why, mispronounce why don't you, it. So Gabe, why don't you, uh, give us the two minute primer of your, uh, career? How did you get to where you are today as, as VP of marketing at customer with a K? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've uh, I have an interesting story, but I won't bore you with the too long a version. But um, you know, I was born eight pounds nine ounces um, in Salt Lake City. No, I won't start that. That's maybe a little too early. But I <laughs> I originally <laughs> originally started in the West Coast doing some consulting. You know, uh, thought I wanted to be a banker in New York. Uh, joined Goldman Sachs for a couple of years, pushed a few buttons and then the market melted down. I was a derivatives analyst in 2008 and nine and was like, how can Goldman Sachs fall to its knees? You know, I'm watching the stock price go from 250 to 50. And I thought, what the hell? I need to change it up. So decided to move overseas, spent five years in Saudi Arabia and Dubai. I was a consultant for Toyota trying to discover who the heck I wanted to be. And, um, I was sitting in Dubai. I got a phone call that we had offended the government and they were shutting down our business because we published something and <laughs> I didn't know where to go. And so I flew back to Salt Lake City, where I was originally from, went to lunch with the gentleman who had started a company called Inside Sales. I've just kind of stumbled into it. They were pretty young at the time. He said, you should join. I said, what the heck? Why not? You know, SaaS um, startup sounds fun and went on quite a ride, as you had heard, you know, five million to about 100 million. And 50 people to uh, about 800 people. And wow. Um, real interesting. Truthfully, inside sales didn't quite turn out the way we wanted it to. Um, my buddy, the CEO, took on a board position. Company started to go in the wrong direction. I thought, you know what? Maybe I need to go as well. And so um, wanted to find that same kind of, you know, just craziness. When you go five to like yeah. 100 in, in five years, right? It's just, it's nothing but craziness. And so yeah. I found customer, customer with the K. I've been here two years and um two, almost three coming up on three years and um we can talk more about that but yeah big news for us is we just finalized our acquisition by meta or facebook within the last 30 days and so we're officially part of the meta uh the metaverse the meta group and so excited about that and that's where we are today what, what is customer 
Yeah, yeah. The the, the short version, um, maybe I'm, I'm going to hit why, and then that'll get into maybe what, what customer is a little bit. Um, here's kind of the crux of us and Meta. Ultimately, KG, there's a gap in the experience right now that consumers expect and the experience that businesses deliver. I'm talking about customer experience. I'm talking about customer service. At the center of it all is this idea that when it comes to customer service, it's not about tickets or fixing problems, which is just what the industry has been so focused on for years and years. It needs to be about communicating with people. And that's why we joined Meta, to really reimagine the customer experience by transforming the way that businesses and consumers communicate. Is you know, they've got Instagram, they've got all these modern channel, what's a billions of people are using that, those, these types of tools. Um, phone, email, ah, boring, you know, modern channels, putting people at the center of the way that businesses and consumers communicate. We are a customer service CRM. So if you're a customer service organization, you got a support team, you're looking to modernize the way you drive your customer mm-hmm. experience. Look no further than customers. So that'd be just a little bit about us and then how we're kind of partnering with Meta to, to change uh, the way that people and businesses communicate. What, it's like an all-in-one platform or something like that? Absolutely, Whereas like, yep. you know, ha- yep. you know uh, Quicken Loans would have somebody that just monitors the Twitter handle or something like that. You're, you're bringing it all together to where it's all social. Wherever your customers are, wherever your customers are communicating, that's, that's how you aim to service them beyond phone calls and chats and emails and stuff like that. Is that what I'm hearing? So, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, think of the last time you had a bad customer experience. I was just trying to deal with an airline the other night. I'm on chat, can't get my answer. I decide to pick up the phone. When I pick up the phone, I got to wait 15 minutes. Yeah. They do call me back. Then when that agent gets on, he had no clue that I was chatting for 15 minutes. Like, how's that possible? And then he's like, give me three minutes to go into a different system and find your order. <laughs> it's just like, really? Like, are we at that time? Like, wow you know like that's not the experience you have with customer with the k it's that omni-channel solution so that agent picks up and says hey i noticed you were on chat for 15 minutes sorry about that looks like you also were on twitter a little bit earlier i have your last 15 orders right in front of me i've already moved your flight to 2 p.m can i just confirm your shipping address your email and they kind of hit it back so all that that omni-channel CRM focused on customer service so that you've got an agent empowered to do everything they need to cross channels and have that context be able to kind of drive that great customer experience. Is this, I might've missed it. Is it B to C or B to B? What's, you know, that's a great question. We're almost a hundred percent B to C. So we're only servicing businesses that do consumers. And the reason for that is I think B to B will come more and more. I mean, we're still kind of a startup, but they just don't care about the customer experience B2B, really, to be honest. I mean, when you talk to these B2C companies and the things they're doing and differentiating on driving that full whole journey, B2B companies, it's a cost center. It's not a profit center. We're just, I think we'll get there when, when, when B2B companies are ready, but they're just not ready to look at it as a differentiator yet. But like uh, any of the utilities, uh, Comcast, AT&T, uh, like that is god awful. Of all the horrible <laughs> things to do in this in this world, go to the DMV, wait in line at a deli counter, or try to get some help, uh, you know, with your with your phone system. Uh, wh- what is the problem? The, the the 
nobody's connecting with each other or the systems don't match? Like, oh, yeah, what? yeah, it's it's that last part. I mean, I call it the Frankenstack, right? And you experience this in cross orgs. You can talk about this in marketing if you wanted to. You know, I run the marketing org, so this hurts me as well. But I mean, I was on with the customer experience leader the other day, and he said, Gabe, I got this Frankenstack, right? I got 30 different technologies, a lot of them archaic. You know, I got my order entry system over here. I got my warehouse system over there. I got CRM and who knows where. I got billing over there, you know, shipping over here. None of them connect, you know? And so some somebody calls in, and I, I sit with these reps and these agents, you guys. It is so painful. It is so, I mean, they got 20 different tabs. They're like, hold on, let me see if I can figure out when your last order was in your <laughs> shipping let me look at let me see if i can find your shipping address pull up another system <laughs> it, it it literally it's frankenstein i mean it's just you i can't believe they deliver as good as experience that's actually usually my takeaway i give them a high five and say i can't believe you do a half decent customer experience because it's just a wind web of just nonsensical information now that's just the systems when you add the channels on top of that Guys, yeah. we're seeing there's like 15, 16 channels and customers want to communicate with businesses the way they want to communicate. All these new generations, like I said, no phone and email. They want WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook Messenger, chat, you know, something that's a little oh, more modern. Oh, hold on. Let's let's continue this shit stew recipe. Throw in <laughs> throw in a different language. Oh God. <laughs> and, 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 and and a blind transfer. It's like, what? Oh. Oh, who oh are you? God, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, how many times have you repeated your information to the same rep? It's like, like, how do you not have it? Well, the, the chat rep keeps it in the chat system. The phone reps keeps it in the phone system. You know, the email keeps it in the email. They literally never talk to each other. Crazy. And then, I mean, I so can talk questions. about questions. So I got two questions. It's, it's, it's all related to the same thing. But I, what you just explained earlier is what, I often call and, and it was in the chat, drunken tool confetti, right? Like, <laughs> a lot of companies have drunken tool confetti. Why? So the question one is, why do you think it's such a common thing that people have drunken tool confetti? And what is the answer to get out of it? So it's a two-part question. Your yeah. opinion. These are your opinion. There's no true answer. There's, you know, obviously my answer is right more than these guys, but I, I respect you. Both. <laughs> Drunken tool confetti. Wow. Um, you know, I think probably it's, to see if I could answer it simply, I think it's the shiny object problem. You know, maybe that's what I'd say. Marketing, customer service, we're all the same. Um, we think tools, you know, systems are savior. They're, they're going to solve our problems. And so you just get this you just keep stacking stuff on it. I got a CRM and I got a billing system and I put a chat program and then I put another tool and I put a phone system on top of it. And again, after five years, it's just, you've created a monster. But it's maybe the shiny tool, the, the, the shiny tool, like we got to solve it with tools, tools, tools. How do you solve that is truthfully, it's really damn hard um, because you have so much crap combined. And I don't mean to you know, give you the easy answer, but yeah, customer is the solution. What, what we do is we come in and we kind of break that Frankenstack up, connect anything. You, you have a home base system, which is a core CRM unit. And then you bring everything together attached to that. And all yeah. of a sudden you've got one throat to choke. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things you said, shiny new tool, I always break this down a little bit further. And uh, um, I, I typically say, 
that the reason why the shiny new tool uh, has created someone to buy it is because people are hearing that they have a problem and then are here from the tool vendor and the tool vendor is then selling the solution to that problem rather than the opposite is that the person overseeing it knows that they have a problem and is looking for a vendor to fix mm. it. And therefore tool drunken tool confetti occurs because the tools are farther advanced than the people that are running uh, the uh, program. They're too buried in the weeds and they're not seeing the overall insights. So therefore they're buying the tools in the, in the hopes that it becomes great. And then I agree, once it becomes too big, it's hard to pull it. People are afraid to pull something out because they're afraid it's going to, Break the whole Franken stack, as you call it. You know, something's gonna, the arm's gonna fall off if they pull the bolt out. But you know, the the other thing is, I listened to you to you talk there, Jamie. Is the, I think I, I said shiny object, but the reason the shiny object keeps happening is because in the pandemic pushed this, you guys, to the to the extreme. It's that you have this kind. Of, I call it the me economy, the now customer, like, like it's just different every year these customers expect more personalization it's a buzzword but it's like i mean people are getting on the phone and they're leaving brands in the droves because of some of these challenges right now they're all digital with the pandemic i want all these digital things and you got all these you know older generation moving and trying to use some of these tools and they're not very simplified so this now customer this modern customer can't be serviced with traditional tools and so therein lies this crux like i gotta change i gotta change i'm just gonna grab every system i can next thing i know i got a frankenstack and i still haven't delivered this experience that the modern consumer want damn what do i do so you think it's gotten worse with the pandemic oh 100 because it in, in some ways it's good because look through hard times great things come to pass i mean we just got all pushed to go digital and all these companies who were just kind of ho-hum on modern channels like chat their phone lines just got blown up. They got blown up. And now, I mean, again, I can't believe it. We're, we're coming out of the pandemic and I'm 15 to 20 minutes on an airline conversation. Like, yeah, because they don't have any other channels, you know, like they still, they, they, finally they got a text. They, they I can like text with an agent in the last two weeks. <laughs> what? Texting in the last two weeks? And it's automated. They, they don't need to you improve have to anything. the chatbot first to get to somebody. Hey, you know, Gabe, they, they don't need to improve. They're, they're too big to fail. They're, <laughs> they, they don't need to improve. You're going to still buy the ticket anyway. Uh, it's kind of like buying from Tesla. Their customer service sucks. I, li- I literally got a car delivered uh, in December, paid for the car. The car showed up at my house. And an hour later, I got a text message that said, Oh, by the way, due to supply chain issues, you're missing this, this part, this part, this part, and this part. We'll reach back out to you when they're in stock. Two months later, nobody had reached out to me. So I called Tesla. By the way, this is old school for called. We call, I called Tesla and I asked, hey, um, there was, I didn't save the text, at least I thought, there was some parts missing with this vehicle that you delivered. And they're like, which ones? <laughs> I'm like, you tell me. You were the one who told me that they were messing, and it was just the exact it's a same beautiful thing. Beautiful story. But but it's you know so... what? There there you're still gonna buy a Tesla from Tesla until there's some competition out there. You know, you mentioned the me. I'm gonna shift gears. You mentioned the me economy. You just sort of threw that out there. Uh, tell me more. What is the me economy, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, look, it's this modern customer that we're. Exp- you know, I've just been trying to find different words or phrases to describe because people kind of know that it's different, right? Um, that these consumers are expecting more, 
but we were kind of trying to play with different names for it. You know, the now customer, the Meconomy. But I like Meconomy because it maybe comes off a little brash, but it's just about me. Like, I want to use the channel I want. I want to be personalized. Like, I want to know you. I'm a I'm a human. I'm not some ticket number. You know, the old days of calling. It's like, what's your ticket number? It's like, no, I'm a human. Talk to me like I'm a I'm a human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I want it now. I want when I have a problem, I expect to solve things in seconds. You know, real time, self service. This new generation, they want to actually. Almost seventy percent of younger generations say they want they prefer self service. Like they want to go figure it out themselves through your help center, through your chat bot. They don't want to actually get or talk to an agent even, right? So there's these characteristics of this uh, of this modern customer, but it's it's all about me, my channels, my personalization, my time, my, and, and if you don't recognize that, which a lot of companies are still like, no, we're a phone-based service center. You are? What are your customers? You, you know, well, we're going to support, no, what are you? It, it's got to be about them, and you're seeing that tide shift. And and I think people are voting with their feet. Gabe, who's feet. really good at this? Who's on the Mount Rushmore of uh, the good guys? <laughs> you you, you know, I mean, there's certainly um, you know, there's some of these brands is out it, there. Is Amazon on there? Like I just yeah. had a problem with a, a package, and they're they did their AI in the chat and whatever, and it seemed to be pretty quick. And the way they resolve things, as you guys know, is Oh, we fucked up. All right, here's a free one. Yeah. <laughs> no, they just give it to you for free. No, I mean, the beautiful thing about Amazon, so Amazon absolute gold standard. Um, okay. You'd find um, a gloss, you know, like a modern, there's a brand out there called Glossier that just differentiates themselves as all women, women's um, makeup products, et cetera. Um, what's, I'm forgetting the shoe one that's often called that Amazon bought. What's that shoe? Apple's. Company? Zappos. Zappo, thank you. Zappo. Zappos, right? You know, they, they, there's still that story during the pandemic where they said, "Look, you don't even have to buy shoes from us if you guys are feeling isolated. Just give us a call. We'll shoot the, we'll shoot the bowl with you." You know, um, that type of customer experience. It was just like, whoa, they did what? They just took that on the hit. But Amazon. Wait, say that again. Zappos just basically said you can call them and talk to them. Oh yeah, just I mean, again, and I'm, I'm I mean, this we should is have them like... on our podcast one of those times. Yeah, call I mean, them. Just call him right. I mean, right. I mean, there was those times where people were feeling it. They were just like, look, you use our line call and we'll just chat with you. I mean, stuff like that matters. But the thing that's so great about Amazon is that when was the last time you talked to an Amazon agent? I mean, they've figured out a model and a system that is agentless that basically allows you to do some of those now customer things. Quick response, couple clicks, change your product, reroute it all with just a few buttons. And guess what? People like that. They don't want to wait online on, on the phone for 45 minutes. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, I do think B2B wants that. Like, it's I, think, I think most. Not that, people, that, not that much. They don't, maybe not with new sales, but I think when you have a problem, you want to, you want to, you, wanna try you know what? Anytime I have a problem, now this is just me. Yeah, but you be- live in a cave and you never leave. Believe it or, believe it or not, because I'm, wor- I, I'm working on, on bettering our podcast, you schmutz, <laughs> editing what you what you're saying, I never leave. When I have a problem, I just go to LinkedIn, man, and I, I go to the highest person I can say, "Hey, look, here's my experience. I tr- I tried your process, and you're the last line of defense. Do you you know? Do you want to fix this or not?" 
and I, it, it seems to always work uh, for me. Why can't it be like that with, you know, is that how it is with customer? Like you can connect that easily or like right now I got an issue. I can't find my package. Where's my package? Oh, oh. I go, I, I go to customer. What, what, what am I doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we would supply, you wouldn't come to us for your package, but we would supply yeah, yeah. Brand where your package, but that's where people typically want to, I mean, that's like an industry challenge, you know, um, like there's an acronym for it called WISMO. <laughs> Where's my order um, is what it stands for. And oh. you, got, you got some great companies doing some amazing stuff on that, you know, like a DoorDash, you know, they'll real time they'll they'll send checkpoints two or three text messages as people get closer to your house right you shouldn't the, the bottom line is there's this kind of thing in the customer experience space about reactive and proactive great brands are going proactive you shouldn't even ever ask that that's that's the story right there pete is you you should never ask the question where's my or where's my package you should always know where it is and that's a communication thing that they got to understand your preference because mm-hmm. it can't be annoying. Amazon does this very well, but you got Alexa, you got chat, you got text, you got a pop. How do I update you in an appropriate way so that you always know where your package is? That's where brands are changing the game. They should put a thermometer in that bag, you know, for the food. If it gets to a certain level, just turn around. I'm going some, somewhere <laughs> I else. I want it. Right now, seriously. So, so over time, who was really good at this stuff? Uh, I, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Domino's pizza. It's like you see each step of the process where your pizza's, you know, being made. It's, you know, it'll be delivered in seven minutes. I thought that was pretty good. Amazon. Who else comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, do you guys have experiences? I mean, this is the great thing about being in this space is it's mm-hmm. all about, you know, I mean, we do this every day. Do you guys feel like you actually interact with brands that do it well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think DoorDash does an amazing job, you know, uh, in that when you order something, the, they tell you when it's been confirmed. They tell you when they've started making it. They tell you that the driver. Yeah, but you're in California and sushi, and sushi doesn't, uh, it's supposed to be cold. <laughs> exactly no but you're not wrong though pete it's like it would be nice to be like you know what this thing is going to show up and it's going to be cold you know and yeah i think uh, DoorDash is usually within a couple minutes i think they pride themselves on their accuracy of delivery yeah but it, I, the, I mean yeah. i think it's a good experience you know okay. the interesting thing about this conversation where it goes i'm just cutting it short maybe a little bit is there's it's it's actually hard to come up with these most people go to modern new brands because most people aren't bringing up companies who've been around i loved your point on dominoes they're really trying to make they'd be one of those old time brands trying to get get modern but why there's so many cool young brands coming up is because and some of you heard them some of maybe you haven't you know direct to consumer brands untuck it i don't know if you guys know untuck it it's a men's clothing so i just bought a shirt from there those guys are awesome yeah. These guys are freaking awesome. I mean, they do yeah. it all right. Proactive, d- differentiator, the chat experience, the website. It's a whole whole different ballgame. You go to some old retailer, you know, but it's yeah. these modern brands that are new, direct to consumer. Those guys, Dollar Shave Club, don't know if you've played with those guys. Wow. They just take took Gillette to school. And how'd they do it? All on this customer experience, man. Put the customer mm-hmm. first. But and sometimes these brands are a little less known than the – the Amazons and the Dominoes. So. Well, similar to your drunken tool confetti problem, I think a lot of these older brands have 
a channel delivery style channel delivery problem with <laughs> they're just buried in debt because they never they weren't ahead of the curve and by the time the you know the the harry and david or the uh, uh dollar general uh, the dollar razor guy came out yep. gillette was old school to market they'd invested you know hundreds of millions of dollars in that that channel plan they're yeah. screwed yeah. right i mean it's the same thing pete and i experienced at career builder when we were selling career builder ads the newspapers well, were well isn't it uh we were where they are in the business cycle. I mean, these are high, you know, high growth companies. You know, all the ones that we're pissed at are kind of cash cows. They're milking it. They're not <laughs> yeah. right. So, so I think you know you got to know where you are in the business cycle, yeah. and it's also a culture thing because the founder's gone. Private equity came in and bought it, and it's just you know milk, 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 milk. <laughs> Screw the customer, whatever, uh, and, and that's it. So I mean these. Now, let's see, Dollar Shave, What? because that's a little bit too expensive for me. How long do you think they got before uh, those guys split? You give it, you know, five years, ten years, they sell out, somebody buys it? Yeah, I mean, I think those are all, you know, it's all hypotheticals. And if yeah, I right. Let, I would have probably picked them up a lot sooner to take them off the market. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's what a lot of the big brands do. Because if you've read some of those books on, you know, <clears throat> disruption or you know how to create it you usually have to do it outside your current environment right you got to get a different company you got to buy innovation basically right so um but yeah i think everyone has their life it's it's how fast can you um innovate you know it's interesting being part of meta and uh, i haven't interacted with you know mark zuckerberg but the guy's always thinking 10 years ahead right i mean from the the posts and stuff you see it just always thinking about innovation and i think sometimes these older companies they are often um mm-hmm. you know they're kind of thinking about cash cow you know i don't know if they're thinking as you know as 10 years ahead as maybe they uh, there i think there's also a point when, it, when you think about it is it's people right so they, they they might know that hey i can wipe out this whole division and replace it with technology but that could be 500 people that they'd have to let go. And I, I think at one point or another, it's hard for them to make that decision. And I get it. You know, it would be hard if you're a founder. That's when you usually tap out and let somebody else do the dirty work. How does AI come in, in into play with your biz, Gabe? Yeah, you know, I think AI in general is just a fun, it's still a fun topic. And I think it's, it's hitting everything. You know, I've got in my role, it's fun. You know, I, I run marketing and business development in my current role. And then, you know, I interact with a ton of customer success, customer service individuals. So it's fun to see the life cycle. And I think AI is everywhere from discovering the right people and prioritizing and marketing to, you know, engaging and helping manage and forecast and sales. And once you hit the customer service side of the house, um, you know, some of the stuff we talked about, if you don't have AI and automation in play, that, that, personalization at scale just doesn't happen. So a quick example is, you know, we had an instance the other day where we had somebody who was in France and they were chatting in Arabic on one of our chat programs. Um, And they basically needed to escalate and talk to an agent and natural language processing basically picked that up. Like normally someone in France would just, we just route it right to a, 
an agent in France for that company, but the natural language probably like picked up the language and said, hey, I'm going to route this to an Arabic rep somewhere else so that we can handle this more appropriately. Hmm. Um, and, and just a very small example, but that those little things make a big difference. I mean, that gentleman talks to someone in the wrong language and mm-hmm. that's a very frustrating experience. So mm-hmm. multiple ex- examples where I think you can kind of move or think through how AI can ultimately make the agent and the customer experience just a lot better. You know, it's, I'm going to channel my uh, inner Justin Rolf Marsh, you know, who, uh, as the, as the cynic, so many people talk about AI and machine learning <laughs> and, and NLP and all that kind of stuff there. And so anytime somebody says that my, my knee jerk reaction is bullshit. Like, but, but you just gave a real concrete answer of how that, that, uh, you know, helps, you know, turbocharge that experience there. We had a guest on the show um, about a month or so ago, Milan Cotty, and he talked about using AI um, and data to put an Iron Man suit around around the the agent if you will you know the salesperson and and what you just did sort of gives that that example there of like hey let's let's make it so much much better to enhance that uh enhance that experience it's not like replacing with a machine and it's not like making it so human that you have to talk to everybody it takes forever it's sort of that that combination of putting the iron man suit uh, you know i love uh, man i i love the iron man it's like you take tony stark somewhat of a regular dude and put a suit around him becomes a superhero but that's i I love that for sales and it's same for for customer experience customer success you know you take just kind of a regular joe and how do you arm them in a way that turns them into kind of that super super sales person or super sales agent and i do think ai it's always about i love that kg it's still a buzzword it's still Mm -hmm. i love the knee-jerk reaction but you know you bring it down into some of those like tangible spots and it's like you know what if you could for an agent, this comes back to kind of like the agent recommend, like, you know, if an agent picks up a phone call with somebody, like, what if you popped a screen for them that just said, hey, here's something you might want to talk about, or here's something about their last order that you might want to bring up, like a little bit of a recommendation engine. Um, is that like game changing? No, but all of a sudden it's like, hey, did you just call to 10, 15 minutes ago and, and, and ask about this? I just got an alert for it. It's like this little type of stuff that um, yeah. it's not about eliminating. I think I, it's not about eliminating. It's about enabling, right? Now. It's about mm-hmm. Enable. Yeah. That's a great message. That's a great yeah. message. Yeah. So this is a sales show. Like this is a show about like sales and sales leadership. And we're talking about customer service and shit. And, and, and you know what, Gabe, bring it back. Cause you have such a deep experience in sales enablement here. Um, you've talked about like the tensions between the various teams that are out there, sales and marketing and customer success and ops and all that kind of stuff there. Um, first of all, why is it good to make sure that there's that harmony between those teams and, and more specifically customer success yeah. and sales. So what, and, and how do you bridge that gap and create that harmony? Well, this is where I think we just have some work to go. And, and we were alluding to it a little bit earlier, but I think there's a revolution that's happening on the post-sales side of the house, you know, customer service, customer experience. And in SaaS companies, look, I think we've all been a lot product led growth. We're product, you know, it's all about kind of top of funnel and, big debate about how sales and marketing get along and all those jokes we've heard for the last decade. So, and they're all true. (laughs) But I think people hopefully have made some strides, you know, it's been talked about ad nauseum, I think, you know, like how does sales and marketing get together? 
I certainly have thoughts and opinions on that, but I think companies are starting to hopefully, and I think in some ways shift a little bit of that focus and, and start to realize the importance of this post-sale experience. Like, what about that handoff between sales and CX? Like, God, that's a disaster. And and do are we really putting the customer first in the CX side of the house? Or are they just another ticket? And we basically look at it as a cost center. Great SaaS companies, I think in principle, KG, are starting to say, wow, like this customer success or this, this is going to be a profit center. These guys are upselling like crazy. This handoff can make a huge difference. And so I think that's kind of bringing the, bringing the sales conversation back into it is, you know, how are great companies starting to mold and shape this post-sales experience in a way that makes their sales that much more powerful? You said sales, marketing, and then, you know, what about product? Because if the, if the product is fantastic, I mean, look at marketing with Tesla, right? Musk says, hey, man, if you need a product manual, your product's too complicated. Yeah. You know, right? So, so if it's a really good product, everybody wants it, then, you know, the kind of quality of salesperson you need. Do you even need salespeople? Do you need sales commissions? Do you need pay at risk for sales, right? Just a flat salary to to move somebody somebody along the 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 experience line. If the product is if the product is that good. Yeah. Yeah, I think most SaaS companies aren't there and some are and I think that's, you know, they're they're going the B2C route and I do think that's certainly the future of SaaS always product led growth, less people, more automation. But I think well, one of the things that I'm seeing that's just I think we can all improve on it it is that feedback loop, you know, product organizations right now you know, are often, I still think, too siloed in, in the way they're doing stuff. And sometimes they'll work a little bit with the sales team, but, you know, that full feedback loop, I mean, how often customer success, customer service, does that feedback loop get back to other parts of the organization to really direct the way that the product should be built? It's a missed opportunity. I mean, you listen to some of these customer success and service service calls, it's a gold mine for salespeople. It's a gold mine for products and an untapped resource. We we used to when uh, at Zip we had Gong, our mm-hmm. marketing and product people loved listening to sales calls. It was it was so insightful because you know we'd have forty thousand you know interactions you know every week or two weeks or whatever it was. I mean these and the product and marketing people would set up these great trackers and listen for specific things that customers and prospects were uh, were saying but a sales manager one time told me all accidents happen at the intersection <laughs> and it taught me that that handoff from sales to cx or sales to account management is super critical for that customer experience and how are you going to earn more customers if you keep jacking that that handoff off you know and it doesn't make sense for you to be that holding that doesn't sound right yeah let me say that again if you <laughs> if you... what are you doing? You make my ed- you and Jamie make my editing life. This is why I'm so curmudgeonly, Gabe. <laughs> Get off my lawn! Oh, dude. <sighs> if you keep messing up that handoff, <laughs> how do you expect to keep winning winning customers? Yeah. Yeah, There's no, nothing they, there. Don't, that is just dead on arrival. 
So, 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 Gabe, we we have you know several dozen people that listen to this podcast. Okay, breaking the internet every day. It's like, hey, man, I I could use customer. Like, what? Who is your ideal customer profile? Who are you looking for? What's the process like? How do you help them? They yeah. say, I got one minute. I'm on the elevator. I'm hitting the 27th floor. Sell me. Oh, man, you put me on the spot. Um, Marketing. <laughs> yeah, you need a sales guy here. I'm just a market. I like to give the big picture vision. But the, the short answer is, you know, we do focus on B2C. Um, we're looking for modern brands who are really looking to differentiate based on the customer experience. Um, and the way we do that is we take that broken Frankenstack where, um, as we just, you know, I love, if I got enough time, I love to walk people. Tell me about your last your customer experience. What was a disaster about it? That's what we solve. You did the channel problem, the handoffs, the no context, the check, 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 check. That, that, that is what customer think about all those, those problems you've experienced, whether it's DoorDash or Domino's or, or this food chain or that customer comes in to modernize that customer experience for that modern person. But we are niched in B2C and we are customer service. We don't do a ton yet in customer SaaS customer success. It's in customer service. That's our place. Now, back in the day, days you were in sales, uh, You've dealt with this one. Did you have any uh, burned out reps over at Inside Sales? How'd you how'd you deal with them? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think, man, we're all dealing with the burnout of um, um, the Zoom fatigue and, and stuff like that. But ultimately, I've got right now um, about fifty business development reps, and you know, I think the big thing we try to do to manage burnout is one, a couple things. One is you can't, this in-person stuff, just, you can't, it's priceless. You know, a lot of us are still working remote, but we got offices in multiple places and I love seeing people come together and two people, five people, 15 people and make the company pay for it and have a little bit of fun. You got to do that. Just mixes up the mundane. And that's kind of what I think people are challenged with. Second is you got to manage on outcomes. You can't manage all on, on, on behaviors. I think behaviors are watched. Outcomes are, are, are really what you're watching, what you're monitoring. And that then comes to creativity, man. Right now in the sales space, and I'm thinking business development, there's so many fun things I think you can try. You know, you can you can try to do and um, get people to events. You try different channels, you know. Can you bring direct mail back into place? Can you, um, can you make some fun videos? You know, can you mix up the mundane? And I love the channel conversation. I still think it's relevant. You let people be creative and get to the outcomes they want. So I got some reps who are killing it with social. I got some reps who are doing really well with direct mail right now. I got some reps who are so good at video. So I love to focus on outcomes and let people take the principles they need to reach those. So those would be a couple of things I feel like. Keep it interesting, get them together, and you'll see burnout go down a little bit. So your market, so your marketing guy, you always put the customer first, like where do you draw the line? I don't know if you do. I think right now, I think people need to over-index on that. You know, I think too often we're still, I mean, that, that'd be the short answer. I think, you know, the customer first, it's a cliche. It's one of those words that people throw out. Maybe they don't 
they, they don't mean it's kind of like our people are our assets. You know, it's one of those cultural things you just say on your, on your um, recruitment one pager or something like that. But I just think you got to keep that front and center and you got to see if you can find process to align to that. You, you know, the customer, cut, let the customer always be right. Like what's wrong with that? You, you know, um, they got a problem. See if you can fix processes to fix that. When it comes to your product, you know, what's your customer actually doing? When it comes to sales, you know, are you following your your processes or are you following what the customer wants? I'm still amazed. I put up on LinkedIn just a month ago, I requested a demo from somebody and um, um, it was just, it was a crazy experience to see how non-customer focused that was. Um, Our systems aren't set up for that. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, they... Um, wrote me an email. Um, I scheduled a meeting and they, they had that capability. I, I get on, I get the demo and they have that you can schedule right now. So I scheduled it for three days later. They send me an email with three or four questions. I didn't see it. I got 50, 100 e- emails in my inbox. I show up to the meeting. They don't show up. I'm like, what? Well, they said I didn't answer the questions. Um, and so the BDR didn't take the meeting. Um and I'm like, this is a SaaS startup, you know, it's 75 people. I don't think I'm the cat's meow, but I got a decent title. I work for a fairly large company now. I mean, that is kind of a big company. I don't know. You know? <laughs> um, they didn't have the decency to like show up. And anyways, I could walk through the rest of it, but I'm like, whoa, you know, how, how much is your sales pro- process? Well, we have to have these questions answered. This is in his response. We have to have these questions answered before you can talk to the sales team because that sales team, they get offended if they have to talk to a VP. You know, it's like, wow, wow. That, that's what you've come down to. You, you got to make sure the sales team's happy. That's, that's what your processes are centered around instead of the customer. Yeah, I think every SaaS company has about a thousand of those processes focused on somebody's BS perspective. You know, boy interview me, I'd tell you that's total gunk. You need to come up with a brand new process because it was super offensive in my time. I think it was valuable. So that's just one example, but I could go through every function and I just don't think we've taken it far enough. So I think I love this idea. Put people at the center, build your sales team around that. How about uh, products? Why don't you build your product for a customer instead of for your CEO? You know, <laughs> let's not focus on process. Let's focus on people. Well, the problem is, these public companies, man, you can only look out 90 days. That's all, all that they're doing, right? Look at CRO. CROs only last 18 months. It's uh, Everything's about the sh- for the short term. It's hard to walk, you know, 20 miles when you're staring at your feet. Uh, you know, Gabe, your experience at Inside Sales was, you know, like you said, it didn't work out the way that y'all had hoped it worked out. But there was a lot of learnings that uh, that went. And I was a big fan of what Ken and Dave uh, did uh, with you there. What, what are some of the learnings that you can pass on to some of our sales leaders or burgeoning sales leaders that you picked off from that startup to $100 million you know, revenue experience? Oof, man, that's, that's a loaded one. I got, we got three. I think I got 10. But huh. um, you know, sometimes I like to say I, I know how to screw a unicorn and I know how to, um, you know, now that customer, we, we're, we've joined Meta. What's the op? I know how to make a unicorn successful. I probably need to come up with, with two of those. Meaning I had a great experience, you know, where, where we sold the meta and I think we're really excited about the future and inside sales, we kind of grew and then, and then, and then stopped growing and started going backwards. It's so interesting to see those two differences, right. And, and how yeah. 
one was successful and one wasn't. But, you know, a couple things, I think. One is certainly the people side of the house. I think oftentimes on these SaaS companies, and it's in sales, marketing, you know, you get caught up in bringing in really big names or really big resumes and just the biggest CFO you can get, right? The biggest Mm. brand. Uh, there is something about finding that person who's just a few steps ahead of you. So if you're at 50, are you getting somebody who's, you know, at a billion or 10 billion? Or are you getting somebody who's maybe at 100 or 200 millions? Just seen that last movie. Um, I think that's one thing I, I, I think is really important that companies think about. The second thing is, I, I mean, SaaS companies can get very... Um, I, I like this rule. You should be able to get to 100 million with your core product. Um if you've got five, six, seven products, if you got to do a bunch of acquisitions, I'm not saying it's, it's, it is a strategy that you can go public. You know, you merge five, six companies and you got this Frankenstein of a product. Um, but the typical path that I think most companies can be successful with is take a core product. It needs to be able mm-hmm. to get to hundred million. Once you feel mm-hmm. like, you know, at inside sales, we started to get five, six, seven products and your, your dev team, that's a lot to, Mm-hmm. It's a lot to do if you're under a hundred million. So I think that um, can certainly be a, a fairly big challenge. Um, the third thing is this one's might be a little bit interesting, but I just think, you know, you got to watch your board. I think SAS boards, that's, that's a conversation for mm. um, such a fun conversation, but I mean, CEOs got to lead companies. Boards can't lead companies. I think boards obviously have a different incentive, whether that's true or not. Um, I think you got to be very careful um, and find a board that, you know, wants to be founder led and have that founder be able to, to not just guide, but be able to make decisions that move in the right direction. I've seen too many times where I think board boards maybe have a kind of a different plan or different program that maybe isn't the best for the invest, you know, for the rest of investors or the ultimately that, that type, that type of company. Mm. Um, So those would be a couple things, you know, that, that come to mind that are maybe more big picture from a company standpoint. So Gabe, what are some of the real tactical things you uh, learned at insightsales.com that could be very valuable for our sales leaders or burgeoning sales leaders? Yeah. You know, the, the number one thing that comes to mind, you know, inside sales was so pioneering just with that exact word inside mm-hmm. sales um, mm-hmm. and what that means for an organization. And I still think as we go down product led growth and stuff like that, um, your structure and your process, um, that high velocity model, repeatable sales process. I, I, I still think we've got a lot of sales leaders out there who are, I'm going to use the word old school, you know, they kind of used to hopping on the golf course, smoking, soggy, shaking, hands, you know, kissing <laughs> babies, that type of thing. And I, there's always going to be a place for that. There's no doubt. Just in most modern small startup SaaS companies, that's not the initial play you want to go with. And a lot of these, I think, leaders end up getting put in that position where they have that type of background. But what is needed is this process-oriented machine building. And so love to see the DNA of sales leaders change where they're operationally focused, process-oriented. And then really some of those key tactical things like mapping out a sales process, you know, do you have a visualization? I don't care what it is on a napkin and lucid chart, but you know, you've got somebody special when they can visualize your entire beginning to end kind of customer journey on that sales side. 
look at those touch points. I loved your intersection wherever, wherever they, they're changing hands, BDR to sales. What are we doing there? And it becomes more of a math equation than it is this kind of old school gut and handshake equation. Yeah, so it's I a funnel. Love, love that. And then yeah. secondly, um, the structure that aligns around that. I just think it, it does get complicated. I mean, in our own org, right? We've got filled and inside sales and sales engineers and inbound SDRs and outbound <laughs> SDRs and international. And we got demand gen people. And, um, you know, when do you start to add roles and when do you start to specialize? I just think organizations maybe don't spend enough time thinking through that. And that was a key at inside sales is we had that process that, you know, as, as we were going, as we were growing fast, we had a process that was just killer. Um, a structure around that that was extremely specialized, much like, you, you know, the uh, conveyor belt at the Toyota plant. I mean, just things moving through it very well. And then we had a demand gen engine that was just, you know, bar none, almost like a HubSpot type thing for a while. Agreed. That, that process structure, you add that demand gen engine. Those are things the machine building was was what Ken Krogh did there for yep. five, six years was just wow. Totally agree. Totally agree. Gabe, what's Great. the best way for listeners to uh, learn more about you? On LinkedIn, I see Twitter, uh, Gabe Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N. And then you have a podcast too, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. No, we I run the Customer Service Secrets podcast. Um, we talk all things customer experience. A lot of like we chatted about today, what's broken, how to fix it. Um, you can find that every Thursday, Customer Service Secrets podcast. So tune into that. But yeah, I'm a LinkedIn guy. I'm still uh, hanging out there. So if you ever want to chat and pick this up more, let me know. We'll put we'll, Everything will be in the contact notes. Gabe, again, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Take care. We'd also like to thank our Patreon supporters, Aaron J. and Trent S. Thank you for supporting our content. It's a real ego boost. Could use a couple more supporters, two or three. Please like and subscribe our YouTube channel. Each subscribe is like magic fairy dust that turns 30 viewers into 3,000. Pay it forward. Thanks for listening to Sassholes. On behalf of Jamie, Justin, KG, and myself, Pete, we thank you for listening. We ask that you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Again, subscribe to our newsletter in the podcast notes, and you can always buy us a beer on Patreon. We thank you for listening. Cue the music. Music.